Portfolio rebalancing is something that almost everybody needs, but not too many people understand. What is household level rebalancing and what's it good for? What are some common mistakes advisors make when rebalancing? And what new product offerings does a technology company come up with after they buy a TAMP? All this and a whole lot more on this episode of Wealth Management Today. This episode of Wealth Management Today is brought to you by Ezra Group Consulting. Broker-dealers are under tremendous pressure to retain and attract new advisors, and their technology ecosystem is a key part. Ezra Group Consulting is your go-to source for building the next generation of advisor and client experiences that will supercharge your firm's growth, increase user satisfaction, and reduce operating costs. If you're a broker-dealer and you want to leapfrog your competition, Contact Ezra Group today for a free one-hour consultation and 10% off your first strategic planning project. Go to ezragroup.co, that's E-Z-R-A-G-R-O-U-P.co for more information. How's it going out there? This is the Wealth Management Today podcast, and I am your host, Craig Eskowitz. I'm a technology and business strategy consultant, and my goal here is to uncover the latest trends, analysis, and information in our industry and share it with all of you. Orion Advisors Services launched their Eclipse Trading and Rebalancing Engine over two years ago. When I first saw a demo and had some time for a deep dive on the features and functionality, I was suitably impressed. I wrote about it on my blog, which you can check out at wmtoday.com. They seem to have everything covered almost uh, that I would expect, and it's really a high-end rebalancing tool, and I liked how they put it together, and and some of the the key features seem really cool to me, and uh, again, I put it in my blog so you can read all about it there. But I decided now would be a great time to follow up and find out how the product has fared. Uh, what's Orion learned from deploying to their client base? What are some best practices? Uh, we really get down to the weeds of portfolio rebalancing for the first half of this uh, episode. And then we move into more strategic topics in the second half. So it's really a wide range in discussion with a little something for everyone. I think you're going to like it. So let's get started. Ryan Donovan is Vice President of Business Development for Orion Advisor Services. He joined the firm back in 2014 after spending more than 10 years at Citigroup, where he held leadership roles within operations, client services, and sales. While at Citigroup, Ryan was also responsible for developing bespoke front, middle, and back office solutions for institutional investment advisors. He holds a Bachelor of Science degree in Finance from Bentley University in Massachusetts. Welcome, Ryan. Thank you for having me, Craig. It's a pleasure. Oh, I'm glad you're here. This is going to be exciting. I am a big fan of portfolio rebalancing, which is an unusual thing to be a fan of, but that's just me. Um, and uh, I've written a lot on my blog about portfolio rebalancing, and uh, as a consultant, I've done a lot of work for firms uh, either developing portfolio rebalancing engines or, or enhancing them or, or selecting them. Um, so I, I try to, I'm always interested in, in, in different services and different products. And I know on my blog, I wrote an article about Eclipse, which is Orion's, uh, portfolio rebalancing and trading, uh, tool, which we're going to talk about. And, uh, that was two years ago, you know, time really flies. So just to kick us off, uh, maybe we can talk about what's changed with Eclipse since, uh, the article came out two years ago. 
Sure. So two years ago, uh, we were in the process of implementing some of the early findings that we had. Orion was in beta in uh, early 2017, as you might recall. The platform was um, being tested by some select clients and, and soliciting feedback where they saw the need to enhance features or um, add uh, additional um, user interface design features that would make their lives a little bit more uh, efficient, more intuitive of a layout. So we had a lot of the core infrastructure in place, but over the last two years, what we've rolled out in some of the core features around cash management, tax efficiency, uh, we've enhanced the tactical trade tool, we've embedded um, a more robust fix engine in place. So a lot of what you've seen is really taking the initial feedback that we've solicited from that small group and then adding the feedback that we have from over 100 advisors that are now using the Eclipse system and have been using it for over a year and adding that to our quarterly releases. So I'm excited to talk to you a little bit about some of those features that are there today. And also, if time permits, we can talk about the roadmap for the year ahead. There's always time. We are in, I'm in control of the time for the podcast, so we will we'll make time. Perfect. Ryan, is there any uh, statistics now that, now that um, Eclipse, uh, your new, uh, not new anymore, but your portfolio rebalancing engine and trading engine, uh, has been out for two years and a lot more of your clients are using it. Do you have any statistics uh, or information you can share about how it's being used? Eclipse is really flexible in that we made available the uh, capability to have household level portfolios, account level portfolios, or even sleeve level portfolios for our clients who implement a UMA strategy. One of the things that we also made available was a portfolio uh, uh, multiple portfolios within a household. So creating subgroups or portfolio groups where you might have multiple investment objectives in a single household and, and several accounts might be uh, managed under a single objective. So given all of that flexibility, what we found most is probably not surprising. Most advisors are managing to household level portfolios. And I think this follows a trend that we've seen in the industry. As, as you're aware, we have always had a, a trading capability. Um, Orion's history, we really began as a, an institutional RAA that managed models and provided trading services for other RAAs. And with our um, previous trading platform, it allowed for efficient model management and trading at an account level. But as the industry evolved over the last 10 years or so, we saw this change toward a desire to create an investment strategy for a client and have all of their accounts aligned, not necessarily each holding the same model and all of the same securities, but having those securities that, that achieve that objective spread out across their accounts based on the tax efficiency, whether it's a tax exempt, a tax deferred, and a taxable account. So we have, a, uh, of our 1,800 RA clients, we have a broad range of diversity, um, but for most advisors who are managing cl client money for high net worth, or mass affluence, they are really looking at household level model assignment and rebalancing needs. So um, I guess to, to talk a little bit what we've, we've done there, um, we have added some tax efficient features that'll allow for a, an advisor to assign that model, decide which asset classes 
are most tax efficient and where they should be held in, in the client's portfolios, and they could set those preferences at a firm level. The system logic run all the calculations across all of their portfolios and propose orders that meet those goals. So you mentioned um, uh, household level rebalancing. Can you talk about how that works and how that differs from single account rebalancing? It really comes back to the tax efficient rules that need to be established. So within an account, it's very straightforward. I have uh, an account and we're going to target these asset classes or we're going to target these securities at defined weights and we're going to give tolerance bands that'll tell me when I need to trade that client's portfolio to stay aligned with that target allocation. Adding the complexity of grouping several accounts together uh, it really is going to require the type of logic an advisor might run through on their own if they were manually deciding which assets should be held in which accounts. So for example, if I had wanted to target my income producing investments in a tax deferred or a tax exempt account, I can make that prioritization. So in our system on the buy or the sell side, we have a prioritization between taxable, tax exempt and tax deferred. So for each asset class, each subclass and asset category, uh, we do give our advisors the ability to add one, two, or three, or none in each of those account types. So as the system is looking at the securities that should be held in the model, they know where to prioritize income-producing securities. If the tax-deferred account is prioritized to hold income-producing securities, we're going to invest in that first. But if it's insufficient, has insufficient cash to hold the full allocation of an asset class like fixed income, for example, we're going to then look to the second priority account type. And that type of logic, when structured at a firm level, can be pushed down to all of the client's portfolios to make rebalancing and scale very efficient. One of the things that we've built in in the preferences is the ability to use that logic and apply it either at the uh, firm level or at the portfolio level. So they do have the ability to add customization for individual clients, which is one of the things that some advisors push back on when they hear the word rebalance. They feel that they lose client level customization there. And so when we built our tax preferences into account, we wanted to have that portfolio level capability. That makes a lot of sense. How, with the, the, among the 1,800 RIA clients, can you share how many are using Eclipse? I don't have a good statistic on that today. I know the number is over 100, um, but uh, I'll have to get somebody else to reply on that. No worries. With um, the ones that are using Eclipse, how often are they rebalancing and uh, in general, if you know that, and, and do most of them do calendar-based rebalancing where they say, well, every quarter we're going to rebalance or every year we're going to rebalance, or is it mostly drift-based? Yeah, I think coming back to the, what I was mentioning about going from more account-level rebalancing and trading to household-level trading, that's also where we've seen a trend. As technology has really evolved and made trading more scalable on a more frequent basis, uh, we, we've seen people go from quarterly rebalancing to drift-based uh, alerts that drive the rebalancing timeline. Um, so we do have both as an option. We have both the uh, calendar-based settings, if an advisor wants to have an auto rebalance on a quarterly 
basis, they can program that in. But the overwhelming majority of our clients are using uh, drift-based alerts to notify them when portfolios will need to be rebalanced. Are there some rebalancing best practices you've noticed that when clients are coming to you and say, hey, we, you know, we love Eclipse, but what's the best way to use it? What do you recommend? So we have an extensive training library that's available for our clients. We also have an onboarding that goes into training them on all of the features available, whether that's going to be portfolio construction, model construction and maintenance, cash uh, settings and preferences. Uh, in terms of the best practice, practices, uh, the majority of clients that work with our rebalancer aren't just looking to get their client portfolios back within the asset allocation targets. They're looking for the trading system to help them with their daily workflows. And so they're looking for the rebalancer to help them to fund distributions in a tax efficient way. Uh, they're looking to spend new money and allocate into their model. They're looking for uh, any portfolios that could have taxless harvesting opportunities and have the system automatically identify those. And with one of the preferences that we've given them in their model construction, they can have a tax loss harvesting alternative automatically proposed so they build the sell and they have the offsetting buy. So in terms of the features or the best practices, uh, it's really implementing the rebalancer not just for an automated rebalance, it's implementing it in a way that it'll help you build scale around those workflows. Hmm. And that's a, a huge issue, that's why you move to a rebalancer in the first place, is, is you want scale. The, exactly. Um, so uh, one thing you, you, uh, you did touch on was tax management and efficiency. Can you talk about how some of the, those features that are available in Eclipse and, and how they uh, enable advisors to generate tax alpha, uh, things like location optimization or, or tax loss harvesting? So I've already touched on the location optimization, uh, being able to identify which subclasses, asset classes, or asset categories, or individual tickers you'd like to hold in a taxable, tax-deferred, or tax-exempt account uh, with one, two, three, or none prioritization. And that's going to drive the overall uh, asset location. But some of the other tax preferences you have um, give you more flexibility. And coming back to that point that rebalancing isn't about uh, just a, essentially an automating a process to achieve the target allocation, it really provides customization of a client portfolio. So a couple of features that you can add is the uh, assumed tax rates at a firm level, but also at a portfolio level. You can add a max gain setting. You can uh, set the carry forward tax loss amount for a portfolio. You'd be able to define what a taxless harvesting opportunity is, what's the percentage that we're looking to realize for doing that, and what's the minimum trade amount. So some of those tax preferences are going to provide efficiency not only for the rebalance, but also those workflows. In our model construction, one of the things that are some of our most tax efficient advisors appreciate is even though you might have a security that you wanna hold for a particular subclass, let's say that I have a large cap security, and I'm going to hold that in my model, and I can prioritize the location in the in the preferences. We, in the model construction, add an additional level of tax flexibility there by saying, for a particular security, I might prefer an alternate 
in a tax deferred or tax exempt account. And those settings can be built into the model creation. So even going down to putting tax preferences within the model. But when you're reviewing trades, we also give you the ability to see days until long-term, short-term, long-term gain loss, gain loss messages, and drill into a portfolio, the trades that are being proposed, and ultimately at a lot level, see the gain loss details. That's great. What I wrote, one of the things I really like about the Eclipse Rebalancer, and I wrote this in my original review, was the model manager UI. It's really unique, and uh, I haven't seen it in any other product. Uh, with, there's everyone has a model manager, but very few have that. A model manager as robust and with an interesting, uh, uh, intuitive user interface as Eclipse does. How did you guys come about that? How was it designed? Can you tell me a little bit about the backstory on that. When we were um, originally looking at the designs for this, it seemed like most rebalancers constructed models in almost an Excel-like grid format. You started at the top of the model, and then you had rows underneath that had the next level model components, let's say they're asset categories. And in a model to model structure, you'd have then other levels below that. So you can have your model name, your asset categories, and you can expand each of those and show the asset classes and expand an asset class to show the subclass. But that grid-based model approach wasn't the way that you conceive it when you're putting together your allocation. Uh, so we decided to create this visual model that lays out the structure of the model almost as a, a tree. Essentially, at the top of this tree, you have your model. Um, you have two lines going down to your asset categories or three lines going down to your asset categories and so forth. Each asset category, asset class, or subclass is a circle with its name. And at each one of these levels, you can put in your uh, your allocation target for the asset class, subclass, or you can, and you can put in your drift collar and prioritization for it. And so laying it out that way is really visually appealing. When we have people who are looking at Eclipse for the first time, and I open up a really complex model with multiple levels, four levels deep and 20 across in terms of the classes that are being used, they look at it and immediately can figure out, okay, that's more complex than what I'm doing, but I get it. Um, rather than we also have the ability to show it in, in a grid-like view, um, but it's, it's a lot easier for somebody to digest when you put something, uh, a big set of data in a visual format like that. So that's really what we were doing there. We wanted to make it a lot easier during the model construction and during the model review for somebody to see their model the way that they'd likely conceive it in their minds. And adding the ability to edit it within that same view, I think, is an important feature. Because instead of having to go back to that grid and, and add in your, your pluses or your minus as you're adjusting the allocation, you're able to do that right within the, uh, the structure of the model. Yeah, it's one of the things I really liked about it. Uh, and, and the color scheme and, how, and, you know, the, and the hierarchical structure, I thought it was very unique. Uh, another Thank feature, you. you're welcome. Um, can you talk about the cash management features and, and how... It, 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 that works and how advisors can can automate some of the, that functionality that, that used to be very manual. Sure. So when we look at cash, uh, this is something where I, I can't say that there's a specific way that advisors manage cash because we do see people handling it differently. Some advisors want to put 
model cash in place. So I have an 80-20 strategy and it's going to be 80% equity and it's going to be 20% fixed income. And they'll allocate cash in that model somewhere. Um, they might add another node model that holds cash. So they might say it's really going to be 80 and then it's going to be 17 and three. Um, and that's one way that some of our advisors will handle cash. Another way is the advisor can set aside firm level cash. They can say for all of my portfolios, I want to hold a certain cash tolerance, a certain cash amount. And the system would automatically assign that to each of their portfolios and their model could be fully invested, essentially ring fencing cash. And that setting isn't just at a firm level. You could do it at a, a firm level, a model level, a portfolio level, or an account level. And so giving that level of flexibility, you don't have to necessarily put cash into your model or hold cash in your model. You can decide what the right buffer should be for the client. How frequently are they taking distributions? How much cash do I need to have for that particular model based on my trading activity? So going above and beyond just setting a single cash target, we added in a cash minimum, midpoint, and maximum for taxable, tax-deferred, and tax-exempt accounts. Um, and those also can be pushed down from the preferences from the firm down to all portfolios and edited at those levels that I mentioned. Um, that gives another level of flexibility. Maybe I want to hold more cash in my taxable accounts than I want to in my tax-deferred or vice versa if I'm in the process of uh, redeeming out of a, a qualified account. Um, so those, those preferences are really, as I mentioned, firm-level cash, model cash, or account-type cash. We do have an unlimited number of set-aside cash rules that can be set for an account. And that is a great way for an advisor to say, this client is taking a systematic withdrawal of 5% every month, and they're uh, redeeming a particular account, so I need to have 5% on hand each time. A set-aside at that account in, for 5% gives them the flexibility to have that. And it can be in, in addition to any of the other cash preferences that I previously mentioned. In, in fact, they can actually hold more than one cash set-aside yeah, that can get very complicated. So how can the system help advisors decide which way to do things? Or, or how, is there a what-if scenario or a scenario optimizer that they can run to say, well, if I do it this way, I get this result. If I do it this way, I get a different result. There's no scenario optimizer. It's really driven by how the advisor wants to handle cash. We have some best practices that we've seen as we've implemented um, over 100 advisors on the Eclipse system. Um, as I mentioned, I, I think you know there's debate whether holding cash in the model is more efficient or adding the cash preferences. But in terms of the uh, flexibility, each RAA is unique, and each one seems to have a little bit of a unique trading philosophy. And so we needed to have the system be flexible enough to handle cash the way that they want to. True. You know, I think Eric Clark, your CEO, said that when you've met one RIA, you've met one RIA. That's exactly right. So they're, they're all very different. So having that flexibility is, is very important. The, uh, the use of restrictions, so to block out um, certain accounts from buying certain stocks, whether they're social restrictions, so they don't want to buy tobacco stocks or uh, nuclear energy stocks, or they may be other restrictions. They may have a low 
cost basis uh, holding, but they don't want to buy any more of that. Can you talk about how those restrictions can be set and, and how they can deliver uh, mass customization at scale? So starting with the, the one that we see more often than not is an advisor who has a client and they, that client has legacy positions that might not be a part of the model. It has a low cost basis and they want to restrict it from trading. Or a client has a security they deem to be an equivalent to a security within their model. And we've built in a way to address those scenarios where you can either restrict the security from trading, have it included in the allocation or not. Uh, you'd also be able to set up an equivalence. So if I have a security um, in my model, I have a QQQ, but the clients held SPY, I'd be able to set up a security equivalence and I'd be able to put a preferred if held on the legacy security when we go to buy, or a preferred if sold, or a do not buy, but can sell. And so that's how we've been able to handle some of those security level restrictions. So you can restrict the security within a portfolio from being included in the uh, allocation, prevent it from trading. You can exclude a security, but not include it in the allocation. So you need to hold the uh, full allocation in addition to that security, which might be in the same asset class. Um, and those are just some of the things that we've built in security level or group level equivalencies to handle those uh, legacy situations that we see almost at every advisor managing. To touch on the other restrictions you mentioned, we've rolled out a platform called Astro. And Astro gives our clients the ability to use ESG, environmental, social, and governance restrictions to create a custom portfolio for their clients that gives the, the flexibility to exclude tobacco, as you mentioned, or partially exclude tobacco uh, issuers uh, that have revenue related to it. Um, a great example is firearms. I, I can exclude securities that have a percentage of revenue generated from uh, firearms greater than 50%. And so I might be able to hold a Walmart in my portfolio, but I would be excluded from a, holding a firearms manufacturer. And so that type of flexibility is available in a uh, trading component of our platform called Astro. So how tightly is Astro? No, so Astro, would you consider Astro to be a mean variance optimizer? Looking at how Astro decides to rebalance a portfolio is really driven by either those ESG settings or a risk-based analysis. So you um, have a lot of advisors look at and, uh, looking at trading from an allocation standpoint. How do we allocate? across asset classes to achieve the investment objective. Whereas Astro is going to look at all secure investable securities and build a portfolio with a consistent tracking error to a target strategy. So let's say that we wanted to replicate the S&P 500. We'd be able to use Astro to select the S&P as our target strategy. We'd be able to add constraints and say, I don't want to hold 500 securities. I want to hold anywhere between uh, 50 and 150. I want to target a tracking error of two, and I'm able to use the Astro system to optimize a portfolio, um, and that will have similar 
risk and return parameters as the S&P 500 without buying a packaged or pooled investment product. So is that sort of a, like a smart beta or an index, like you're a self-made index fund? Exactly, exactly. And so you're essentially able to, um, when you're creating a strategy utilizing individual securities that have a similar return characteristics, risk characteristics as an SPY, for example, you're creating more opportunities to realize tax loss harvesting events you're creating an opportunity to eliminate those low cost basis positions by generating more frequent losses in other portfolios and offsetting from an accounting standpoint, taxable gains in the low cost basis position with the, uh, the basket of securities that the optimizer has defined. How tightly is Astro integrated with uh, Eclipse? Is it one button to send a portfolio or is it export import? Uh, actually, so we have an integration that will send the trades from Astro. Today, Astro is a separate module within the Orion system. So you access Astro, you select your target strategies, as I mentioned, you run your optimization, and that feeds your orders into the same grid, the same OMS that a rebalance or taxless harvest would be uh, feeding those orders to using Eclipse. Well, that's cool. So that sounds pretty efficient. Yes, it is. And what we find is most advisors don't want to do this for all portfolios. They're looking to, for this to accommodate those situations where a portfolio's complexity warrants it and, uh, or com the, the size of the portfolio warrants it. And so uh, a uh, one of our clients could potentially use Eclipse and, and rebalance portfolios against models for all but uh, 10 or, or one. Um, account that's going to be managed in the Astro portfolio optimization tool. Hmm. That's pretty cool. The, um, once you've got the, the, the portfolio created and, and sent over to the rebalancer, how quickly can it rebalance? Is there a limit to how fast it can rebalance or how many, re how many accounts can rebalance per hour or per minute? Well, that's also something that we took into consideration. A lot of rebalancers aren't ready to go at the start of day. And uh, that's one of the biggest complaints that I hear from advisors that are using modern household rebalancers, that even the ones that are, are modern web-based that have models and models capability, one of the fundamental things that they lack is scale. And uh, what we did with uh, the trading platform is we built the Eclipse platform on Amazon Web Services. And if, as you know, with trading, it's intraday, it's cyclical. So we'll have advisors that'll pretty much all start their day looking at their portfolios, their positioning, and generating orders. The analysis to do that across a thousand accounts requires a lot of processing capability. And with Amazon Web Services, we're able to uh, essentially obtain that processing capacity from the cloud and then re relieve it when we're done with the cycle. So essentially we get instant scale by using AWS. Um, so the clients of Orion that are trading within Eclipse, once the reconciliation is completed, within uh, about a minute, we can load in a billion dollar RAA's assets, all of their tax lot information so that they're ready to trade. So from when reconciliation is completed, almost instantaneous they're able to run their 
uh, their trade analysis. Brian, you mentioned earlier sleeve level rebalancing. Can you talk a little bit about how Eclipse supports sleeve level rebalancing? I'd love to. This is one of those things that a lot of RAs don't realize is available, and it's really important that we have a consultative conversation with them and make sure that they are aware they're able to handle sub-accounting within the Orion system. So effectively, what a sleeve is, you have a single custodial account. Joe Smith has an IRA, and it downloads from custodian every morning. Uh, it, we will take that IRA and reconcile those holdings. But if you've assigned sub-accounts or sleeved out that IRA in the Orion system, we will handle uh, sub-accounting in a system that pulls the positions, the income generated, and the cash associated with each of the securities in your model strategies and uh, essentially align them in a way that you can trade and rebalance at a sleeve or a sub-account level with true cash ring fencing. You are able to bill on them separately. You're able to report performance on them separately. And those sleeves are GIPS-eligible composite entities. So in order to accomplish what I just described, a lot of advisors open up multiple accounts under a single registration type like an IRA for Joe Smith. If an advisor wanted to assign separate and distinct investment strategies and measure the performance of those separate and distinct investment strategies, they might open up three accounts for the IRA with the custodian so that they can report them separately, have transactions separate, especially if two of those strategies are gonna hold the same security. With Orion, as I mentioned, the cash and the securities are ring-fenced, truly ring-fenced, so when income is paid, it pays on a pro-rata basis. Now, um, essentially, a sleeve or sub-account within Orion enjoys all of the same benefits as an account. And um, if uh, somebody had wanted to, they're able to uh, trade and, and monitor the sleeves in Eclipse separately in isolation. They can set target allocations across the sleeves underneath the registration and pull them back to that sleeve allocation target when they'd want. So essentially Eclipse allows each sleeve to be a portfolio that enjoys all the same benefits as any other portfolio in the system. Interesting. So uh, let's talk, when I think sleeves, I think UMAs. So can we talk about support for UMAs and Eclipse? You know, uh, you may have been a unified managed account. Yes. So we have always had the technological capability. And when I say always had, I'm going back to recent memory, which is six years. We, we rolled out six or seven years ago, sleeve level capability. And um, a lot of our TAMP clients implemented unified managed accounts approaches because they were more efficient um, in the ways that I described. You are able to clearly ring fence securities and cash, assign benchmarks to those strategies and report it in a way that you might have that conversation with a client. So um, in terms of a UMA, you, we certainly have the capability to support multiple sub-advisors managing a single custodial account within the Orion system. With the UMA on Eclipse, can a sub-advisor directly access the account and trade his own sleeve? 
Yes, a subadvisor would be able to be given access to the system and only see those portfolios where they're assigned as, as a subadvisor. Another thing that uh, we see a lot more often is model delivery, where, um, as I mentioned, we have UMA platforms that are our clients. They'll take the models from their sub-advisors, and then they'll implement those models within our system and use the alerts to see when portfolios assigned to those sub-advisors need to be rebalanced, when there's a model change. Um, and so you can really have a sub-advisor access your database directly, or you can use model delivery and trade and rebalance off of those buy-sell indications. How often do the sub-advisors or the model managers, uh, the model providers, how often do they deliver their models into the Orion uh, e ecosystem? Whenever they want. Uh, we have a, a, a platform called Communities, which gives certain sub-advisors access to update their models and then have those model changes pushed down and through the alerts, the advisor has the ability to take action or to um, decide to abstain from taking action today um, for um, maybe tax reasons, cost of transactions. But it gives the advisor some flexibility in how they want to handle that. And that's another cool feature I like is the communities feature. I'm glad you brought that up. That allows advisors to share models with other advisors, right? Yes. So uh, Communities has a couple of important features. One, we're able to offer free model strategies from our CLS investments or a BlackRock or a Russell to advisors who are already using those strategies, but they're able to do uh, the portfolio management in a more efficient way. They assign those models directly. And as you mentioned, if a sub-advisor or a strategist would like to update those models, they can do so whenever they'd like. And the alerts would give the advisor the ability to automatically see when uh, rebalance is required or when a, a sub-advisor has swapped out one security for another. Cool. So the um, can any advisor share his models or is it limited to certain advisors and and so how does that really work? And how does it, can an advisor subscribe to another advisor's model automatically? Are there any limitations? Uh, today, we haven't seen a lot of growth in peer-to-peer -peer sharing. And I think that's what you're describing, Craig. Uh, one advisor yeah. making yeah. their models available to another advisor, another RAA. And um, maybe one of the reasons why that hasn't been more prevalent is, is really brand. Uh, how does an RAA market their strategies and differentiate themselves against the brands that I just mentioned, BlackRock, Russell Investments. And um, so ultimately what we've seen is um, these model strategists, these uh, global asset managers making their strategies available for free. Um, obviously they're using proprietary ETFs or funds. Um, or what we've seen is some of our advisors are putting together communities where uh, they may be multi-office RAAs or they might have multiple reps and they want to give their reps access to their models. And so that's another area that we've seen the peer-to-peer um, the -peer sharing work, but it's in a closed environment where 
on, those strategies will only be available to affiliated representatives to use in the system. Gotcha. So not a lot of uptake on the, the advisor to advisor peer to peer sharing, but you mentioned uh, Russell and BlackRock. So those third party manager strategies are free. Are there other managers selling their models? Today we haven't um, included any managers that uh, offer their strategies for a fee. So only, only free models? Today, yes. Is that something you might think of adding in the future? Yeah, so ultimately bringing um, a, a platform to our advisors that offer uh, as much breadth as they need to develop their trading styles, uh, we do plan to roll out additional strategists that will be able to charge the RAA a fee for access to those model strategies. So that'll be more of a model marketplace type of approach. Correct. Excellent. Seeing your advisors start to use Eclipse and, and, and working with the robust functionality and adding more accounts, what are some common mistakes that you've seen advisors make when they're implementing or managing rebalancing that you'd recommend you know, for advisors listening to this and thinking about if they're not rebalancing yet or they're not using the, a tool like Eclipse, what are some mistakes you can, that you've seen them make that, and how do you think they can avoid those? Well, I think if they're going from a process of they're, they're using a, a, a trading system, maybe it's a custodian trading system or they're doing trades in Excel um, or they're using a trading system that doesn't have a models of models approach, that's the first area I usually have a consultation with that advisor, talking about how adding additional levels into your model gives you greater flexibility. Um, for example, if you have a model that just targets a basket of securities with an allocation target and drift collar for each security, you lose the ability to say, I'd like to do a tactical rebalance on my equity, but leave fixed income alone. So even adding that one level of asset category to a model gives you a lot more flexibility in how you can keep securities aligned. Now, if you add in additional levels, you have the ability to uh, essentially do a tactical rebalance at a more refined level. And if you have volatility in one particular area of a model, you can rebalance that without impacting allocations in less volatile areas. And ultimately, what that results in is less trades that need to be edited or rejected on, in the OMS when you go to review your orders. Sorry to interrupt the show. But we just need to take a quick break to talk about our awesome sponsor. The Invest in Others Charitable Foundation is a nonprofit that recognizes financial advisors for their exceptional charitable work. This year, over 500 advisors have been nominated for the chance to receive up to $50,000 for their charity. The winners will be announced at the Invest in Others Gala that will be held on Thursday, September 26, 2019 at the Western Boston Waterfront Hotel. I was there at the gala last year and I was really blown away when I watched the videos of the top advisors and seeing their impact on their associated charities. With almost 100 sponsor firms and close to 700 industry professionals attending, the Invest in Others Gala is a fantastic opportunity for your organization to support an exceptional cause while also taking the opportunity to network with current and prospective clients. For more information on how you or your firm can participate, 
please go to the Invest in Others website at investinothers.org forward slash sponsor. I'll also include a link to it in the show notes for all of you, and I encourage you to click on it and read the instructions and participate if you can. It's really a wonderful cause. So it's been a year, Ryan, since Orion uh, acquired FTJ Fund Choice. It was the last April, I believe. So can yeah. you talk about a little bit about how Orion has changed their product offerings since the acquisition? Sure. It'd be a pleasure. Uh, so we looked at um, the FTJ acquisition as being an extension of our business that can make investment products or investment solutions available to those advisors that are using the Orion platform. But we, if you're familiar with our company, we already have a TAMP CLS Investments who is offered on the FTJ platform and other platforms as well. Um, so uh, for the last year, a lot of what we've been doing has been internal. Uh, realigning DLS to work seamlessly with FTJ Fund Choice and uh, allowing the technology really to be further customized for FTJ Fund Choice uh, so that we can offer FTJ strategies through the Orion platform. One of the um, offerings that we did roll out, you might be uh, recall, we rolled out Orion Enterprise. And really what Orion Enterprise gives advisors uh, the opportunity to do is to access the best of both. You get access to Orion's technology platform for the reconciliation, the billing, the reporting, the trading, compliance, and you also have access when you need it to the investment platform offered by FTJ. And there allows for consultative customization on what would be best for your firm. If there are strategists that you're currently using, not on the FTJ platform, we'd be able to add those. Um, we'd be able to create really a bespoke investment solution for your firm, leveraging the expertise that FTJ has, but again, giving you the ability to leverage the broader Orion technology solutions. So I think enterprise is the first go-to-market iteration of the combined entity. Well, and will be more to come, um, but ultimately, uh, you can expect us to continue delivering innovative tools that uh, will offer both investment solutions and technology through the Orion trading platform. I would expect nothing less from Orion, considering your rich history of putting out new products and features and services at, a, at, a, at a quite a, a quick pace. That's right. Would you say that because FTJ had already built their platform on Orion's technology, it made the integration much easier. Yes, but there's still a lot of work to do. Right now, FTJ historically had a very tight operating model. They uh, worked with a single custodian, whereas CLS Investments worked with multiple custodians. Um, so we're in the process right now of changing FTJ's model to make them more agnostic to the custodian selected by the advisor. Um, that's going to, of course, give us the opportunity to distribute this uh, on a much broader scale. And so that's a critical requirement that we have to get in place. And once you do that, you uh, really have to change your processes for new account administration, servicing those clients. And so uh, we haven't been sitting still for a year. We've been working on all of those things that we need to do to make FTJ available to the broader market. 
and to integrate it more tightly with the Orion platform. For example, one instance is FTJ has their own proprietary uh, proposal tool with a risk scoring logic built into it. Making that available as part of the overall offering for enterprise is a critical requirement. And more tightly bringing that into the Orion platform, trading platform, reporting platform is one of the initiatives that we've been working on, one of the many technology initiatives we've been working on to more deeply integrate FTJ with Orion. So I know that there that FTJ's proposal system was built on top of advisory world which has yep. some great proposal tools. Now, does the acquisition of Advisor World by LPL have any impact on this? No, not at all. LPL is uh, uh, certainly uh, a partner of Orion, and LPL has had Orion as an approved technology partner for many years. We've worked with many of the largest LPL hybrids and continue to do so. Um, so that shouldn't cause an issue. And as you may be aware, Greg, Orion has a long-standing relationship with Advisory World. We have a lot of clients that are using their Scanalytics. Um, and as you mentioned and rightly mentioned, FDJ had worked with Advisory World to build a very custom instance of their proposal tool. So while FTG, uh, well, Advisory World does offer um, a proposal tool, the level of customization and development that was done for FTJ was quite specific. So you mentioned the risk profiling, risk scoring, as part of the uh, as part of the proposal tool. Is this something you're looking to do more of uh, and offer this uh, risk profiling as part of the, every proposal that uh, you'll offer to all of your broker dealer and, and RIA clients? The proposal tool, if you're using FTJ, will be available to you in order to uh, build a, a, a suitable portfolio for clients using the FTJ strategies. Orion, as a technology vendor, still maintains an open architecture approach with deep integrations across multiple tools that can provide proposals or risk scoring or analytics. So you'll still be integrating with Riskalyze or other risk profiling tools that, so, they could, so one of your clients could say, we, want, we like your proposal system, but we want to use Riskalyze with this. Is that possible? That's a perfect example. People love the risk allies risk scoring, the simplicity of being able to explain that logic to a client and the ability to integrate the reporting from Orion with the risk allies risk score probability uh, of six month gain or loss through the uh, report design tool that we offer in the client portal. So we have a lot of common clients that overlap. And so we will still continue to work with firms like risk allies, hidden levers, advisory world that offer that proposal tool to our, uh, our, our mutual clients. Do you see the, the ability of these different, I mean, let me back up a second. Uh, Orion has always been in the leader from what I've seen uh, in, in my business as a consultant. Uh, we have to do a lot of this work with our clients is, is integrating best of breed technology solutions. And 10 years ago, it was very difficult since, since very few firms had APIs or invested in APIs or invested in moving data between their system and other systems. And, and Orion was one of the first ones, along with MoneyGate Pro and eMoney, to really embrace APIs, embrace openness and in, in integration with third-party uh, applications. So how is that changing the way Orion approaches the business? Uh, you know, looking at your competition like InvestNet where they've got one big platform with everything and they're not as, they, they've been trying to be more uh, open for integration, but you, 
sort of had that, that, that mindset from the beginning. How does that change the way you approach the industry? Sure. There's a, there's a fundamental difference in the culture. When you compare Orion's open architecture approach, uh, we've made a lot of really good decisions, and ultimately that, that, that's what um, results in the success of an organization, how consistently you make good small decisions. One of the biggest ones was making our platform open, open architecture, allowing us to integrate with CRM vendors like Redtail, Salesforce, Juncture, the financial planning tools that you mentioned, Money Guide, eMoney. Um, and newer entrants like Right Capital or Advisor. So uh, we really do believe an open architecture platform is the strongest platform. It gives the advisors the ability to choose those tools that work great for their business, their philosophy, the conversations they have with clients without us telling them this is our deepest integration partner because we own them. And so make it work. Um, and so with uh, Orion, you'll find that that open architecture approach is just much more than marketing. It's really ingrained in our culture. Um, we have a dedicated uh, integrations team, developers that work on integrations, a conference called Fuse, which allows for the 80 or so members of the Fuse uh, conference to demonstrate on an annual or, or more frequent basis uh, their uh, integrations with our platform to the uh, advisors and consultants and, and uh, thought leaders in our industry. So um, what you'll find with some of our competitors is the term integration is a marketing buzzword that'll help them and get them um, you know, uh, more interest among uh, advisors. But with Orion, we have a, a lot of depth in our integrations. Um, single sign-on is, is really easy. Being able to consolidate reporting and consolidate that conversation with a client who wants to know, are they on track to meet their financial plan? And in the next sentence, wants to know, how are they performing relative to the objective that the advisor set? So I think you'll find that that open architecture approach is a, a significant difference at Orion compared to InvestNet, who's serial acquirer, buying the technology that they want to integrate with, and then um, essentially uh, focusing primarily on themselves the platform, the ecosystem that they've essentially um, built. Perfect example is a, a financial planning firm called Bright Capital. I'm assuming you're familiar with uh, their success. Uh, three years ago, I uh, started seeing their name at trade shows, and I, you know, I didn't really un appreciate how many people were using it. Uh, three years later, in the last T3 survey, they have a 4%, I believe, or over a 4% market share in a highly concentrated industry with two titans really ruling uh, that particular market. They've been able to come in with a differentiated offering for financial planning and capture a good chunk of that large market. And so we wanna be open. We wanna be able to offer over 100 clients that are working with Right Capital a really deep integration that'll uh, provide them with scale, eliminate data error, and a consolidated reporting experience. 100 of your current Orion clients are using Right Capital. Do you have a breakdown of how many other clients are using other financial planning tools like eMoney, MoneyGuide Pro? eMoney and MoneyGuide Pro are going to be the two most popular uh, financial planning tools used by Orion's clients. And while I don't have a breakdown of um, who's using uh, them uh, exactly precisely, I can, I can certainly confirm that uh, they are the two most popular financial planning tools. Their market share is relatively uh, consistent within the Orion client base. 
since we're talking about acquisitions, how has Orion's business been since Schwab sold Portfolio Center to Investnet? Well, so I, uh, I wasn't very surprised, but I did get the news when I was uh, traveling to the mountains for a ski trip with my uh, family, and uh, it pretty much derailed uh, any conversation that I was having for the next month. It's uh, very visible. Uh, there's still so many portfolio center firms that are out there um, that I think may have been somewhat surprised by this. And so the phones really started ringing from portfolio center firms that wanted to look at other app options. Anytime something like this occurs, it creates a catalyst to reevaluate where you are, where you're going. Um, ultimately, I, I think, you know, just to our partner Schwab's credit, uh, I think they they made the decision that they need to make um, moving Portfolio Center to Investnet uh, with Portfolio Center being the underlying accounting system for Tamarack was the right thing to do. Uh, they are going to be able to remain on Portfolio Center and it's highly unlikely that uh, Investnet or Tamarack are going to pull the plug immediately on those advisors using it. With that said, it is legacy technology with no web presence, and a lot of advisors see this as a catalyst to reevaluate Orion's technology, whether there's better integration and more efficient business processes that can provide them with scale. And so while this might have been in some advisors' minds a uh, 2020 or end of year 2019 or after tax season or the CFA exam uh, type of initiative, it really put this onto the front burner. And so we've spoken with a lot of portfolio center firms, and I think uh, probably about three out of four of the calls that I've been getting in my uh, area have been portfolio center firms looking to explore alternatives. Uh, another reason is the, the incentives uh, that are being rolled out to portfolio center firms by Orion and, and other firms. Uh, Orion is providing portfolio center users with nine months of free service, and since we bill quarterly in arrears, uh, that gives an advisor the ability to transition to a superior portfolio management system with a client presence and deep integrations a full year almost before they get an actual cash out-of-pocket uh, ex essentially expenditure for that platform. Um, so we're also providing uh, free uh, attendance at our regional conference ascent. Uh, so we still have uh, I think about six more of those going on around the, the, the United States. Uh, those portfolio center firms that convert over to Orion would be able to attend that free of charge. So it's been keeping me busy. You mentioned that you weren't very surprised when you heard of the acquisition. Why weren't you surprised? Well, I would say that um, when I think I first heard about Portfolio Connect going to the cloud, it must have been. 2015, and I'm going off of memory here, I think it was at Impact 2015, if I recall correctly, Portfolio Center was going to be reinvested in, it was going to be a web-based platform with an API that would allow for integrations. And ultimately, at the last Impact conference, while I was presenting this new Schwab digital account opening tool, uh, the, the woman uh, from an advisory firm in Atlanta shared the stage with me talking about what Portfolio Connect actually is and how it's designed for her business. And it just wasn't the type of platform that I saw being available or uh, really being made available to uh, those larger RIAs. So I think the once they, Schwab had made the decision that they were going to invest in an alternative platform and make that available, 
and they weren't going to be investing in the Portfolio Center platform. They had uh, really uh, some difficult options on how to handle those thousands of Schwab clients that were using Portfolio Center. So what is uh, on the roadmap for Eclipse? Can you talk about some things that are coming in the future, maybe the next 12 months? Sure. So over the next year, uh, we plan to implement quite a few features. One of the most exciting ones we've mentioned is Astro. As I mentioned earlier, Astro is a portfolio optimization tool which gives institutional scale to advisors that want to replicate an index or transition a client to a target strategy or use ESG rules um, or continuously tax loss harvest to offset gains in a non-core or non-model position. Um, so the way that Astro works today is as its own separate module and it feeds orders to the Eclipse OMS, we will be embedding Astro as a component of Eclipse. So you would be able to assign Astro target strategies alongside Eclipse models and through the same platform rebalance based on tracking error. Um, another thing that we're doing with Astro is this is a really complex, um, essentially a really powerful complex optimization tool. And a lot of advisors are looking for a more turnkey approach. And so we're creating, based on index strategies, a way for an advisor to select an index strategy that they would like to target. And our system will give them notifications when that, port, that client's account is out of tolerance based on tracking error when that client's account has tax loss harvesting opportunities or when cash requires a portfolio optimization for those. So Astro being more closely aligned with Eclipse, I think is a great thing. It'll further improve the workflows around trading, especially where an advisor has bifurcated trading where they're looking at asset allocation, rebalancing and risk-based trading. Another feature on our roadmap is integration of billing with the trading platform. Today, we have tools within the billing module that will show an advisor their cash that needs to be raised to satisfy the advisory fee. Mm -hmm. Beginning a workflow of raising cash can start in the billing audit, initiate orders based on model assignment and tolerances, and raise cash within Eclipse. So those orders would be automatically populated. Another important step is making sure we set aside cash until the fees are deducted from the account. And so with one step, an advisor would be able to raise cash in the billing module, initiate the orders required, and set aside cash. We have a set aside cash expiration where once the fee is the management fee comes through on the custodian file, it would remove that cash set aside. So it essentially handles a, a multi-function workflow with a single bill process. So will that be automated or is that a still a manual thing for the advisor to click a button to do that? Advisors would see the uh, cash funding report where they're insufficient for uh, 
you know, taking their advisory fee, they'd click a button and it would initiate this workflow, those components that I mentioned, initiating the sell orders, uh, setting aside cash, and then ultimately when cash is taken for the management fee, it'll automatically remove that cash set aside. Interesting. So portfolio grouping, uh, syncing the portfolio grouping between the two systems is, is, is handled today. Um, ultimately, the Eclipse platform syncs to the reporting. Um, we've had uh, a, an ask from our client base to be able to have a bi-directional sync. So a portfolio group can be set in the Orion Connect new account administration workflow, for example, or it can be updated by the portfolio manager. But being able to sync the portfolio data between two systems is an important roadmap item for some of our clients. And also being able to sync the reporting associated with that between systems without having to update two systems. Um, so the portfolio good. grouping, yeah, uh, so the portfolio grouping will eliminate um, some of the manual steps that clients have today needing to leave a module like the new account administration or the reporting tool to update the portfolio in Eclipse and have it feedback. Another tool that we're going to be bringing into Eclipse is an options trading tool. So we have the ability to uh, generate, for, for example, a covered call strategy, one of the most common that we'll see for options trading. Uh, we have the ability for an advisor to initiate a covered call strategy on, let's say, SPY, for example. And that uh, system, Orion system, would look at the client's holdings of the underlying selected across multiple clients at once, run the calculation, and propose how many options are needed in order to properly hedge that security. And ultimately, the calculation engine would handle any subsequent buys and sales and update or the underlying anytime we're going to be buying or selling it, the associated amount of options contracts that need to be essentially. Uh, That's interesting. I just recently, recently wrote about that. There would the, would the system also block any sales? So say if, you know, if I'm running a covered call and the call is still active, I can't sell the underlying out. That's right. Without uh, essentially buying a, uh, uh, selling a contract. Um, so the the system would automatically handle both uh, the acquisition of an underlying security and the divestiture and the impact that it has on the calls. It would do it at, an, at a, both a block level to answer your question, Craig, and it would also do that for the allocations. And we do have uh, this capability hmm. to execute this via mm -hmm. fix. Uh, that's one of the things that we're going to be working on, nice. sending those orders through fix mm -hmm. to uh, custodians that we currently participate with. Today, uh, it would generate to a, uh, the options would generate to a trade file. The equities or ETFs would be routed via the fix system. Mm -hmm. Nice. And is, is it limited in what strategies it supports? Is it only covered calls at the moment or do you have plans for other ones? We have plans for protective puts, and at this time, it would be limited to covered calls and protective puts. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and I think that's about all that we have time for, Ryan. I think we've covered everything, have we? Yes. Thanks for having me on today, Craig. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. We got to everything. I know I appreciate it. I, I uh, think we, we really got through. We got through everything we wanted to talk about, and I think this has really been helpful. And as I said, I, I'm. I'm into portfolio rebalancing, so I thought it would be interesting for uh, the listeners to hear some. 
and uh, you were very open. I really appreciate your, your feedback and you sharing the, some of the lessons you've learned and the experiences and, and giving everyone a little bit more understanding of Eclipse and what, what has been and what's coming down the line. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a thank pleasure. You, hey, everyone. It's Craig again. Just a few quick items before we go. If you like this episode, please give it a five-star review on iTunes. I would very much appreciate it. And remember to check out the show notes for links to everything we talked about on this episode. For more information on wealth management technology, you can read my Wealth Management Today blog at wmtoday.com. Thanks for tuning in, and I'm looking forward to talking to you all again next week.